Hello, this is Nikta from Newslaundry.com bringing you your daily dose of news. Today is Wednesday, the 1st of July. India's COVID recovery rate is steadily improving. Currently, it stands at over 59%. 5.85 lakh coronavirus cases have been recorded in the country so far, with more than 18,000 new cases being reported in the last 24 hours. The death toll from the disease is now more than 17,000. The Indian government's second phase of easing restrictions following the coronavirus lockdown begins today. Under this phase called Unlock 2, the operations of domestic flights and passenger trains will be further extended. However, the prohibition on international air travel will continue. Night curfew has been relaxed and the restrictions on shops and establishments have also been eased. With the increasing cases, general insurers have received 28,000 claims to the value of 445 crore rupees. In fact, claims have doubled in a week with most of them coming from Maharashtra and Delhi. Meanwhile, the Ministry of Ayush has given permission to Patanjali Ayurved to sell the company's particular formulation as an immunity booster and not as a medicinal cure for coronavirus. Yoga guru Ramdev had last week launched a drug called Coronil claiming it can cure the virus. New Delhi has reported 2,000 new cases of the novel coronavirus in the last 24 hours, taking the city's total to more than 87,000. The death toll now stands at 2.7,000. The city's recovery rate, thankfully, is better than the national average. One of the reasons for the Delhi's high COVID figure is the increase in testing. Delhi is testing nearly 28,000 people per million population. With the Unlock 2.0 beginning today, more parts of the city are likely to reopen. Chief Minister Arvind Kejriwal has ruled out the possibility of another round of lockdown. Loknayak Hospital, one of Delhi's top coronavirus treatment centres, has alleged that 175 ventilators that it received from the centre are missing an important feature. The hospital staff have told the Director General of Health Services that the ventilators did not have a bi-level positive airway pressure or BiPAP mode, which allows doctors to supply oxygen to patients without inserting tubes in their airway. The hospital has asked the government to provide 250 more ventilators equipped with the technology. There have been complaints about ventilators from Mumbai as well. Last month, St. George Hospital and JJ Hospital had rejected 81 made-in-India ventilators, saying that they could not use it for coronavirus patients under any circumstances. The centre had allocated 2,000 crore rupees from the PM Cares Fund for the supply of 50,000 made-in-India ventilators to states and union territories in May. Today, Delhi is the worst affected city in the entire country, surpassing Mumbai a few days ago. But since the lockdown was relaxed on May 18th, the number of cases and deaths have more than doubled in the national capital just within two weeks. And since then, in the last one month, caseload has increased by four times and the death toll by five times. Clearly, the city is racing against time to meet the challenges as the crisis continues to escalate. But listeners, the worst is yet to come. According to an assessment by the Delhi government, the city has a grim reality awaiting its fate. On June 9th, the Deputy Chief Minister Manish Sisodia had said that there was a prediction of nearly 5.5 lakh cases by the end of July. The estimated caseload will require 80,000 hospital beds to handle. As of today, Delhi has nearly 15,000 beds as per the state government's database. It is like a disaster staring us in the face, and the capital has reached this point due to a number of missteps. Yet, some experts believe not all is lost. 
to understand what went wrong and what can still be done to salvage the situation, News Laundry's reporter Ayan Sharma did a deep dive into the capital's COVID-19 crisis. The report is up on our website and you can read it to get a broad picture of the situation. It is titled, Delhi is staring at a COVID catastrophe. What went wrong and what's being done to avert it? Listeners, an in-depth report like this needs a good amount of time and resources to conduct research and meet people on the ground among other things. And it has been possible thanks to the contribution of our listeners, viewers and readers. This is because News Laundry is an independent 100% advertisement-free platform as we believe when advertisers pay, advertisers are served. But when the public pays, the public is served. If you like our work and want us to bring you more of these reports, support us by subscribing to newslaundry.com. For that, first you can check out the different subscription packages on our website where the minimum one starts at 300 rupees a month only. Meanwhile, neighbouring Gurugram witnessed a dip in cases in the latter half of June. According to data, the number of new cases reduced by 26% in the last two weeks. Maharashtra's COVID-19 tally rose up to 1,74,000 with an addition of nearly 5,000 new infections. The number of deaths, meanwhile, is inching closer to 8,000. One of Mumbai's biggest Ganesh festivals, Lal Raja, is cancelled this year for the first time in its 84-year-old history. Section 144 of CRPC has been imposed in Mumbai. The order prohibits the presence and movement of four or more people in public places or gatherings of any sort anywhere, including religious places, subject to certain conditions. The railways is set to expand to 350 local trains in Mumbai. However, the services will only be accessible to essential workers and not general passengers. The Maharashtra government had asked the Indian Railways to allow employees of the various central government offices, high courts and public sector banks to travel by local trains. The centre has told the Bombay High Court that a decision to declare sanitary napkins as an essential commodity can be taken only after following due process. A petition sought direction to the government to declare sanitary napkins as an essential commodity and supply them on par with other essential commodities to the poor amid the coronavirus outbreak. Pune police has registered a case of externment violation against a person with a criminal record after his breach of order was detected by the newly launched application Extra, a spin-off of the geolocation-based tool used for tracking home-quarantined people. In Karnataka, the Sunday lockdown will be reimposed and enforced every week until further orders from July 5th. However, the state government's Unlock 2 guidelines said that marriages already fixed on these days shall be permitted. No activity other than essential services and supplies will be allowed. The Karnataka State Road Transport Corporation has decided to stamp the hand of all passengers before they are allowed to board the buses. According to KSRTC, the decision to employ hand stamp was made in the wake of the sudden jump in the number of cases reported from Bengaluru and other districts of the state. Facing criticism over a video clip that showed bodies of coronavirus victims being dumped in large pit in Karnataka's Bellary, the deputy commissioner has apologised and said he is deeply upset and sorrowful at the manner in which the remains of the deceased were handled. In the video, six men wearing PPE kits are seen dumping the corpses covered in black body bags into large pits in what appears to be a cremation ground. In Telangana, the KCR-led government has also extended restrictions in the state till July 31st. The Telangana government has also cancelled all common competitive entrance tests scheduled to be held in the state this month. The government said that fresh dates will be announced later. The Chief Minister K. Chandrasekhar Rao has called for a cabinet meeting to decide whether to impose a lockdown in GHMC areas to contain the spread of the outbreak. 
The Telangana Health Minister has said that they are conducting required number of tests on highly vulnerable groups. Days after a dying patient at the government chest hospital in Hyderabad made a video on his phone that went viral, child rights activist and advocate Achyuta Rao has filed a petition before the State Human Rights Commission alleging that the authorities are taking away the phones of patients. The Tripura government has announced a 24-hour complete lockdown on Sunday to contain the COVID-19 spread. Chief Minister Biplab Kumar Deb said, and I quote, The way we all stayed at home on March 22nd during the Janta curfew announced by the Prime Minister Narendra Modi, in the same way we would stay at home from 5 a.m. on Sunday to next day 5 a.m. Unquote. Manipur has also announced a complete lockdown and curfew in all containment zones till July 15th. More than 100 people who attended a wedding ceremony in Bihar on June 15th have tested positive for COVID-19. The groom also died two days later but could not be tested for COVID-19 as his family had already cremated him. Over 350 guests had attended the wedding which took place in Pali Ganj, about 22 kilometers away from Patna. In Tamil Nadu, religious places in rural areas are open to the public. The government has issued a standard operating procedure for these places of worship. Physical offerings such as prasad or the distribution or sprinkling of holy water will be prohibited. Offerings such as coconut, fruits and flowers shall also be not allowed. The Kerala government has announced a 25% increase in the fares of state-run and private buses temporarily amid the coronavirus crisis. Meanwhile, Haryana's State Education Department has said that schools in Haryana will open from July 27th. However, universities and colleges will remain shut till July 31st. Goa's tourism minister has announced that the coastal state will be open to domestic tourists starting from July 2nd. So far, the tourism department has granted permission to 250 hotels which can operate in keeping with the standard operating procedures put in place by the state government. Now for some international updates on the virus. The global coronavirus tally has crossed more than 10.4 million cases. The death toll, meanwhile, has risen to 509,000, according to the Johns Hopkins University. The UN has warned that the pandemic has taken a much heavier toll on jobs than previously feared and that the situation in the Americas is particularly dire. The International Labour Organization has warned that the second wave of the coronavirus outbreak later this year could result in the loss of 340 million full-time jobs. The World Health Organization has said that countries must strive to ensure that they prioritize both health and the economy to recover from the coronavirus pandemic. Meanwhile, Wu Chong-um, the Director-General for the Asia Development Bank's Sustainable Development and Climate Change Sector, has said that the health crisis will reduce Asia's growth to its lowest in six decades. More than 48,000 cases of coronavirus were announced in the United States in the last 24 hours, the most of any day of the pandemic. Officials in eight states, including Alaska, Arizona, California, Georgia, Idaho, Oklahoma, South Carolina and Texas, have also announced single-day highs. The U.S. currently has more than 2.6 million cases and accounts for approximately one in four known deaths worldwide, with the country's death toll standing at more than 100,000. The United States has bought up virtually all the stocks for the next three months of one of the two drugs proven to work against COVID-19, leaving none for the rest of the world. Experts and campaigners are alarmed both by the country's unilateral action on Remdesivir and the wider implications, for instance, in the event of a vaccine becoming available. New Zealand has reported a second consecutive day of no new COVID-19 cases, according to health officials. There are 22 active cases in the country, all of them travellers returning home. 
There is no known community transmission of the virus in New Zealand. In Japan, Disneyland Tokyo reopened today with limited entertainment and shorter hours after four months of being closed due to the COVID-19 pandemic. Measures including temperature checks, masks and distancing are in place. Turkey has urged the EU to correct the mistake of excluding it from the bloc's list of safe coronavirus travel partners, saying that it was disappointed by the move. Yesterday, Brussels produced a list of 15 countries, including Australia and Morocco, whose health situation was deemed safe enough to allow their citizens to travel to the EU from July 1st. But the United States was notably excluded from the list along with Russia and Turkey. Beijing has lifted several lockdowns imposed to control a fresh outbreak of COVID-19 and reported just three new cases in the city, raising hopes that the cluster has been brought under control. The Philippines' central city, Cebu, which is now a hotspot for COVID-19 in the country, will remain under lockdown till July 15th. President Rodrigo Duterte made the announcement on Tuesday night. The capital city and the rest of the country is set to remain under lighter quarantine measures. It has also allowed foreign visitors on a controlled basis, limiting entry to those with existing family or work ties, students, technical experts and investors. Now for some non-coronavirus news. Hong Kong police have made their first arrests under a new anti-protest law imposed by Beijing as crowds marked 23 years since the end of British rule. Seven people were held accused of violating the law, including a man with a pro-independence flag. Nearly 200 others were detained at the band rally. The new national security law targets secession, subversion and terrorism with punishments up to life in prison. Activists say that it erodes freedoms but China has dismissed the criticism. Hong Kong sovereignty was handed back to China by Britain in 1997 and certain rights were supposed to be guaranteed for at least 50 years under the One Country, Two Systems Agreement. The UK has now said that it will offer a path to citizenship for Hong Kong residents who hold a British overseas passport. On Wednesday, thousands gathered for the annual pro-democracy rally to mark the anniversary, defying a ban by authorities who cited restrictions on gatherings of more than 50 people because of COVID-19. Now for some homegrown stuff from Newslaundry.com. Listeners, while the media industry continues to face a crisis because of the COVID-19 pandemic, an interesting development has been the growth in popularity of newsletters. This is a phenomenon that has been seen all over the world. To give you an example, on April 30th, the New York Times announced that its morning newsletter had reached a subscriber base of a whopping 1.7 million readers. Even in India, particularly since the pandemic, and generally for the last one year or so, we have seen the emergence of a number of names in the newsletter space. And listeners, these are not mere compilations of syndicated or quasi-automatic content. Newsletters have focused on key domains, peppering them with views and analysis. But what explains this new interest in newsletters for the readers as well as publications? That was the theme we touched upon in the latest edition of Stop Press, our weekly media newsletter brought to you by Chitranshu Tiwari. To find out more about this, please go to our website newslaundry.com and read the newsletter. That's all for today. Have a great day or a good night depending on where you're listening from. See you tomorrow. All the News Laundry podcasts are available on Stitcher, iTunes and any other podcast platform. Please subscribe to News Laundry. Help us keep news independent. To catch all our podcasts on news, pop culture, current affairs and sport, visit newslaundry.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram and subscribe to our YouTube channel.